Hi there, this is Nico. This is Christabel. Welcome to Scene 62, a podcast dedicated to Call Me By Your Name. So, one week has passed since our first episode, and what are we going to talk about this week, Chris? We're going to talk about Call Me By Your Name, obviously. obviously <laughs> But we're going to talk about the book, which we sort of touched on. the previous episode but this time we'll talk more about the chapters and also our favorite parts our least favorite parts and well basically this is going to be an Andre Aziman appreciation yeah. episode because um, so far the hype with the hype over the movie out there we feel that no um, there's not enough attention given to the book Yes, and it's been sort of buried in the in the hype, basically. And also maybe because the book has been out 10 years now, so it feels like, to some, like an old conversation. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of new people are just discovering the book now, i.e. me. Exactly. So I think it's a conversation <laughs> worth having still. Right. But before we go to our main segment, We're going to open first with some uh, news, some news yes. in a segment that we call <laughs> Beach Updates. Beach Updates, it's a thing. Okay, so first news will be the UK release of Call Me By Your Name, yay! Congratulations! Uh, congratulations if you live in the UK, you finally get to see. The whole magic of the phone, yes. starting from yesterday, uh, and so far there have been many, many uh, excellent reviews from the UK media. Uh, they, uh, the film just received five stars from places like The Guardian, The Telegraph, and NME, and there's this one review that I particularly love, which is uh, the review by The Guardian's Peter Bradshaw, the film critic. And he says in the review basically that there is such tenderness to this film, I was overwhelmed by it. I mean, that's quite a grand statement coming from The Guardian's critic. So, yeah, we're very looking forward to seeing the film. And luckily, we are finally actually going to see the film. Yay! Yay! In the previous episode, we talked about how we have no idea how we're actually going to see this. But that has been answered with some news on screenings going on in Singapore, in Manila, and later this year in Bangkok. But let's talk about Singapore Film Festival. Yeah, so uh, I actually just found out last week, we just found out last week that yes. uh, Call Me By Your Name will actually be uh, screened. Uh, in the Singapore Film Festival on November 26th and December 2nd. And That's a Sunday and the next Saturday. Saturday. Yes. And Chris and I will be going on both weekends to Singapore all the way from Jakarta. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, this is real love. <laughs> But before that, before Singapore Film Festival came out, or before news of Singapore Film Festival came out, we were actually going to see it in Manila. Manila. We initially planned to see it in Manila, uh, and actually, the, the the film will be screened 
in the Cinema One Originals Festival, yes, uh, which will be held uh, in November. There are four dates in November, so if you're in Manila, you Filipinos are lucky. Yeah, I hope you appreciate <laughs> all those screenings and go see it. So you gotta check it out. Uh, hopefully, the tickets haven't been sold out, like in Singapore. Yes. So, oh yeah, tickets in Singapore are gone. Are gone. So Nico had like one last ticket, and then it. That also went. Yes. So. <laughs> and but uh, if you cannot, if you're in Southeast Asia and you cannot catch uh, the film in Singapore or Manila, you can still go to Bangkok in December, uh, where they will screen the movie uh, exclusively at a cinema called House RCA, sorry, from December 14th. And yes. basically, the movie will be screened for one month there. I actually contacted the cinema manager myself. He did that. Sure. He did that. <laughs> the lengths Nico would go <laughs> to make sure that Amazing. we can watch CMBYN. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, if you if you're in Southeast Asia like us, uh, know that there are options. There are options to actually catch Call Me by Your Name in your country or neighboring country. In our case. Oh, and the Cinema One Original Festivals will screen Call Me By Your Name on November 18th, 19th, 20th, and 25th. Yes. So those are the dates for Manila. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, hopefully uh, after the festival, they will also screen the film regularly. Wide uh, release? Yeah. Public release? Public release. What do they call it? Whatever they call yeah. it. So, yeah. What's next on the menu? So next on the menu is the much-awaited release of Call Me By Your Name soundtrack. We finally got the final tracklist uh, of the album. Is it final though? I believe so, because it's already on Amazon and other places. Um, yeah, so uh, there will be uh, some songs that are featured in the film. Including Psychedelic First, Love My Way, which, as you might have known, is featured in that uh, infamous, now infamous, dance scene <laughs> of Army and Timmy. <laughs> By the way, that's my favorite clip that's ever that's been released right. by the so far. And of course, uh, the album will include uh, Sufjan Stevens' uh, songs. Uh, he uh, released uh, he made he actually made three songs uh, especially for the film which are Mystery of Love, Visions of Gideon and a remix of his uh, well-known song Feud of the Fices and I cannot wait to listen to those songs on repeat and just basically cry all day long <laughs> I'm one of those people who because I know that like a 30 second clip came out last night mm-hmm. somewhere I don't know if that's official probably not but it's just sort of useless to listen to it bit by bit. Right. Although, yes, it's nice to get a feel of what it's like and then get a tiny preview of what, how it plays in, in the movie. But I'm like, no, I, I guess I'll just have to wait for the full one. Right. Because I need to although have the full experience. Although you've 
probably already heard some snippets of Mystery of Love in the trailer. Yes. Which I've watched probably like a thousand <laughs> times. So yeah. that song is seared into my brain yes. already. Uh, but yeah, uh, according to the latest uh, info, I mean after uh, several uh, postponements, finally um, the album will be released for digital download uh, on Halloween. On October 31st, so instead of trick-or-treating, I'll be crying uh, myself in my room yeah. listening to the songs. That's like the ultimate trick-or-treat because you both love it and then it also makes <laughs> That's you cry. That's a good point, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the release of the CD, at least in the US, will be on November 17th. Yep. But hopefully we, can, we in, in Indonesia will still be able to get Physical the physical CD as well. We'll see. We'll see. And yeah, so that's about the soundtrack. And this week, um, new clips emerged from the Call Me By Your Name world. And these are, well, one of them is official, which is the piano scene released exclusively by Huffington Post. Right. And the other one is something that we actually just found out about right before we recorded this episode, which is a clip of the dance scene rehearsal exactly. in which Army Hammer is awkwardly Please. dancing to no music <laughs> <laughs> with a few of the cast members, right. I think. And I don't know about you, but I have mixed feelings about the piano scene. Do you like it? or do you... It's a lovely scene, by the way, but yeah. just like the release of it feels... Unnecessary. I've actually uh, have heard about this scene, you know, from looking through Tumblr and yeah. looking at people talking about it. And, and we've it, seen images. And we've seen stills of it. And uh, I was really looking forward to seeing this scene for the first time in the big screen. So I'm a bit disappointed that you know I I I get to see it on my mobile phone for the first time instead. Yeah, because like, let's just be real, we're not going to pr practice self-restraint mm -hmm. when it comes to like the release right, of these right. clips. <laughs> if you don't want us to see it, just don't release it. <laughs> there's no way we're not seeing it if you release it before the movie. Like, that just doesn't work. I know, but still, it's it's a lovely, super lovely scene. And we can't wait to see it in the big screen <laughs> later, <Yeah>. next month. <laughs> Which again, we will. We will, we will. <laughs> so that's our... Speech update for this week. And next, we're yeah. going to discuss more about the book. As mentioned earlier, we would like to talk this week about the Call Me By Your Name novel. Um, written by Andre Asiman about 10 years ago, which in the conversations about the film and especially in the hype about the film, it's sort of been buried under and not a lot of people discuss it. When really, as we move closer and closer to the release of the film, and actually it's been released, um, new people, uh, there are new people who are getting into the book who just started reading it, who would like to probably read it before they see the film. So why not talk about it? Yes, and but before we delve deeper into discussing the book itself, 
there's a question that we are interested to pose to our listeners, uh, which you can also see on our Twitter account at Scene62. We just uh, posted a poll there asking if you've read the novel, which part of Call Me By Your Name is your favorite? And uh, <laughs> the answers have the been. Answer has ha- has been quite surprising to say the least. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so far, there have been thirty votes, thirty four votes in, which is, by the way, a lot more than we think mm-hmm. we would get. <laughs> so thank you for uh, casting your vote uh, in our poll. Uh, and apparently, uh, out of the four main parts—not chapters, but parts of the novel—the uh, part that ranks number one at forty-seven percent is part two. Monet's burn, obviously, which we, for the record, also That's, love and yeah. adore. Yes, because something happens. <laughs> A lot of the major plot points happened mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. chapter, and surprisingly, uh, the part, quite surprisingly, the part that ranks number three is part three, the San Clemente syndrome, yes. which has been quite. Uh, how do you call it? Uh, polarizing. Polarizing. Well, it's not that years. extreme, but yeah. Yeah, uh, it's the Rome chapter, uh, and some people. A lot of people say it's boring. Some people say it's boring, but it's also a chapter where uh, some you can see uh, an interesting dynamic between Elio and Oliver, yes. which we're going to discuss later. Uh, so that's on uh, the second position, yep. followed by part four. Just like closely behind part three. Closely behind, only 1% <laughs> difference between those two. And the last uh, on the rank is part, part one. one. People, not do not, people do not love Elio's introduction, <laughs> introductory <Maybe>. narrative. <laughs> he's too extra in part one, probably. Maybe, maybe you feel that he's too angsty and too, I don't know, obsessive about Oliver. Creepy. In this, and a bit creepy, maybe, yeah. in the first part. So it's interesting to see uh, your vote uh, for the poll. I would like to know, actually... If you could rank the four parts, what would your mm-hmm. ranking be? Okay, so my ranking will be... This is not to say any of them is bad, by the way. Yes, this is just We all love them, personal. and it's really, really hard to choose. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what's yours? Well, mine will be... The first one, of course, will be part two, Monet's Berm. Um, followed by, I guess, part four, and then part... I'm a bit confused or I'm a bit conflicted actually, but I guess it's part four, uh, sorry, part two, part four, part three, and part one. So pretty much similar to the ranking in our poll right now. Yeah. I I thought we would be different, but I think it's the same exact Mm -hmm, one. mm -hmm. Although maybe the ranking had something to do, had influenced my thought on it because... Yeah, I didn't. I never really gave part one that much thought mm-hmm. because it seemed like an obvious part of the book. But then now having to rank it, it's like, yeah, actually, if if we were to go through all of the phases, the first one felt the least significant, right. or or not 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 insignificant, but just the least 
memorable. Okay, that's interesting to know. Although maybe the term least memorable might be too strong, but part one just feels like the tiniest, the smallest part of the bigger Call Mm -hmm. Me By Your Name picture because it's all about Elio. Obviously the whole book is all about Elio, but you don't really see much action from Oliver. Right. Everything that we see about Oliver is very subtle, and we don't know what he's thinking. We're, yeah, we don't get access to him yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when we're going through part one, I'm just itching to get to see more of Eli- uh, of Oliver, Oliver and to hear more of him and to see him do more, basically. Right. Because in part one, I think Oliver is portrayed as this sort of still distant, yeah. somewhat arrogant guy that you know comes out of nowhere and uh, Elio is trying to Elio is like imposing his feelings all over Oliver (laughs) (laughs) I know so yeah Um, uh, but our our poll is on opinions aside we would like to know your uh, opinions as well about which part is your favorite so please go to our twitter account at scene 62 all spelled out scene 62 uh, where you can cast your vote uh, on our tweet there yep reply to us if you have more thoughts Mm -hmm. or just vote that's fine we're happy with votes yes definitely so probably to continue uh, I'm interested to know uh, which scene is your most favorite from the book I mean, there are a lot of major scenes and Mm -hmm. iconic scenes, Uh, but which one is your most favorite? My favorite scene is probably... There are too many. (laughs) There's there's a lot, but from... Can I pick one from each chapter? Sure. Okay, from, from from the first part, my favorite scene is that moment where they're looking at each other, talking to each other. Um, not talking, but they have like brief conversations where they're by the pool and Oliver is sleeping, pretending to sleep, right. or he's just thinking, right. and Elio sort of calls out to him like, hey, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, thinking. And then, yeah, basically that short conversation, conversation. That, right. within the span of a few hours right. as they're lying under the sun. Mm-hmm. And then from part two, it's obviously, I think my favorite is The Rock scene right. where Elio finds Oliver sitting in this rock on this mm-hmm, rock. Mm-hmm. Part three is at the end of that scene where they go home after a long night. Mm-hmm. And part four, oh gosh, I haven't even really thought about it. Okay. <laughs> well what about you? Um I guess uh, my favorite part from the first one is I think this is from the first part, right, where Elio uh, tries to uh, describe Oliver's mood from the swing oh trunks, my gosh, yeah. from I'm the sorry. colors I of just the really <laughs> from the colors of his, of the swim trunks that he wears yes. on a particular day. So if he wears green, it means yeah. that he's <laughs> green moody. is the best. Green is the best. Okay. Yeah. All right, but if he wears red, then it's like his. Yeah, He's not like in a good warning. mood, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And from the second part, well, I guess for me, it's the the 
the talk where, where when they when they uh, bike around the piazza right before they finally had their first kiss. Right. And then part three, um, I guess it's near the end of part three where they uh, almost oh no no where 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 Elio got drunk and mm. vomited yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they were singing they, they with were singing people. And they were kissing the darklings of Rome. Oh God, the kiss. the kiss! No, yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, that's pretty moving. And I guess from the last part, I think it's uh, Professor Perlman's advice. Not advice, but I like, just thought about that. I forgot yeah, that that's in part four. The, yeah. the monologue yes. of uh, Professor Perlman for Elio, which is very heartwarming, yeah. but also very touching. And very, very important, touching, also. Very important. Yeah. An interesting story about that Mr. Perlman scene, because I was reading the book after, obviously, way longer after Nico read the book. The first, the first text that I took a screenshot of and sent over to Nico as I was reading the book is, I think, that whole page of Mr. Page. Perlman's speech, speech. to Elio, because. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, that's part four, so you, I've been through all of the other touching scenes and right. quotes, but then when I got to that part, it just struck me as something very, very, very extraordinary from the mm -hmm. book. I was not expecting that at all. I didn't think... I knew there was going to be some sort of confrontation, but I didn't think it would be that major mm -hmm. for me. And it was very, very beautifully written. I don't know. And I think it's also what makes this book very beautiful because uh, Andre Asimov has created a universe, a seemingly uh, utopian universe where the family is very accepting yeah. uh, and you know they are very uh, understanding of uh, the relationship between Elio and Oliver without explicitly mentioning that. Mm -hmm. But they, but like Professor Perlman as Elio's father. Uh, it's just there's just so much warmth in this yeah. book uh, that 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 is uh, very uh, that is portrayed uh, in that scene, and I think that's I guess one of the most important scenes in the book, and also in the film, which uh, people have been raving about yeah. uh, Michael Stolberg's performance in that particular scene. Yeah. So That's what you. That was your reply to me. You're like, oh yeah, actually, in the film, everyone's been raving about yeah, that. And yeah, by the yeah. by the time I was reading that section, I wasn't aware yet of the hype, the hype or the where the where the hype was centered, right, at, right. like in the anticipation for the film. Mm -hmm. So later on, I realized, oh shit, this speech actually became a big deal in the film as well, which is good to know. And right. Wouldn't yeah. have it any other way. Okay. Yeah. So that's our favorite scenes. How about our least favorite scene? <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't call this a least favorite, but it's a bizarre <clears throat> scene in yeah. the book, which is, well, the, I don't know how to describe it, but <laughs> let's just call it the toilet scene <laughs> in the beginning of part three, where they just arrive yeah. their, in their hotel room in Rome. And they. Do you want to? Describe that <laughs> no, that's not. <laughs> Basically, they went to the shower together, and before whatever happened in the shower, 
Elio became very, very extra, as he always is, <laughs> and told Oliver, why don't you just sit there and shit and let me watch you, yeah. more or less, right? That's what happened. And then they took and then turns. And they took turns. <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I mean, uh, a lot of people have been talking about the iconic peach scene, yeah. but then this one, this the toilet scene is much more bizarre. Yeah, because I feel like scene. the peach scene is justified in that people have their, what do you call it? When they have weird sexual fantasies. Fetish. They have, yeah, it's like a fetish. <laughs> probably, it's probably not a fetish for Elio particularly, but then people do a lot of weirder shit mm-hmm. when it comes mm-hmm. to sexual stuff. Right. But then the toilet scene is not sexual at all. It's actually, it's not, just right? Weird. It's, it's, it's just it's, it's supposed to be an intimate and emotional, mm-hmm. the center of that scene was the feelings right. and how how they've stripped naked emotionally each other, not physically. Mm-hmm. And how there's no boundaries anymore between them. Exactly. No emotional boundaries as well. Uh-huh. So, if you were to compare both scenes, <laughs> one was justified and this is just like weird, weird. to me. It, yeah, I couldn't grasp it. I'm, and I'm so glad that Luca didn't even think of including, including it in this the film. Scene in the film. <laughs> yeah. For me, personally, apart from the toilet scene, I think one of my least favorite scenes of the novel has to be the end of part two, part one, where Elio goes into Oliver's room <laughs> and puts on his trunks and just has a, let's just, just say, has a moment with it. <laughs> right. That, again, compared to the peach scene, took me aback I was weirded really? out but I don't know why because I find it erotic <laughs> I know I, yeah maybe maybe this is just maybe I'm a prude <laughs> but I was like oh that is weird okay and considering he's so young I don't know yeah I was I think the thing about these scenes as uh, both the toilet and the scene is that it's not particularly bad but it's <clears throat> It's for a very niche segment. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Let's just say. For a very niche segment of yeah. readers. Yeah. Maybe. Like, you find it erotic, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Some other people might find the toilet scene actually endearing, right? Maybe. You'll never know. Maybe. But, yeah. But for me, I guess the Elio sniffing Oliver Strong's <laughs> scene uh, sort of speaks to Elio's, I don't know desire for Oliver that Mm -hmm. he would go that far to actually uh, release his (laughs) desire so to speak yeah and I just went through that particular scene in the book and I there's this part where he explained his shame after it and then Ah, he looked around the house to see if there were people watching him yes 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 (laughs) and I'm like yeah what the (laughs) fuck were you doing bitch (laughs) But yeah, that's just me. I don't know. I'm a prude, maybe. Okay. Uh, anyway, so uh, other than uh, the favorite and least favorite scenes yeah. of ours, uh, I think I would like to point out that uh, the book has this very unique structure, if you can call it that. Yeah. In the sense that uh, each part or each chapter uh, functions as some kind of a novella mm-hmm. uh, that they that each of the part can stand on its own 
It's like a not a short story, but it's like a compilation of novellas. Yeah. Combined into one that charts Elio's mm-hmm. um, journey, I guess. The journey of love. The journey of basically. love. I'm sorry that just came out really <laughs> cheesy, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because part one for me is about crushes, obviously, mm-hmm. where he likes me, he likes me not. I like him. I definitely, definitely, definitely like him. And then part two is about requ- requited love. Right. I think that's the term. Because they finally consummate. They finally... Uh, the guy finally admits that he likes them, but he likes him too. And it ends in this sort of conclusive way where it's been established. Right. That, okay, this is a thing that that's real. And that actually both parties are attracted to one another. Yeah. 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 And then part three to me is like a fantasy. If I were to compare part three to a film, it's it's probably the closest to um, Before Sunrise. I don't know, mm. the feel of it. Just right. how it's real, but it's also like a fantasy that just exists. It's like, I, I mentioned this to you, it's like a bottle episode. Mm-hmm, if this were mm-hmm. a, a TV, TV series. series. Something completely outside of the main plot. Mm-hmm. But complements it very well yeah and the last part i guess it's it takes place several years yeah and many many years after the events during that summer and it feels like uh it's not an ending per se but it gives you a sense of where they go after all this years like their journey it, if that was a film, that film would be about an old guy looking back. Exactly what the book is, basically. Mm-hmm. Looking back on an old love. But yeah, that's more sentimental and r- this person is reminiscing. And that could stand as its own story. Right, I right. Think. Out of the four chapters, or the four parts, uh, I'd like to highlight uh, part three, the St. Clemente mm. syndrome, which, as Chris has mentioned before, has been quite polarizing between the readers because uh, the chapter, uh, some might find it boring or some might, it, some might find some parts are unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, but for those of you who, who haven't read the book, uh, the chapter is when Elio and Oliver go on a trip to Rome together so they're no longer uh, within the confines of their villa where they interact with their friends and family but now they're all alone yeah. in a city outside the Italian countryside now they're in Rome and they're visiting the city for a book lunch mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. uh, for a poet and this is when some of the bizarre but somewhat endearing scenes happen <laughs> yeah yeah i think um to me i know a lot of people don't like this scene but i read it first and it weirded me out too mm-hmm. and then i read it a second time and then i read it again when the audio when i was listening to the audiobook especially and then it struck me as it became more special as i repeatedly go back to it mm-hmm. because Especially knowing how out there there are conversations about Call Me By Your Name being such an isolated story. Mm. Um, this chapter takes them outside, as you mentioned, takes them outside of their zone, this villa, right. to the outside world. Mm. And 
um, you just get to see them interact, not just with each other, because you're so done with them both, right. with Elio's extraness, <laughs> and then with Oliver's hide-and-seek game. And at this point, it's been established that they're together, and so what are they like as a couple? Mm-hmm. Um, how do they interact with people? How are they in front of people? Right. And even though, of course, at the end of the book, we don't get to see that for real because they don't end up together. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But to me, this served as sort of a preview and a fantasy again Mm. that you you get to see what could have been. And especially knowing how intelligent they are and how in this particular chapter they're surrounded by all these intelligent people. Right. Highbrow conversations. All these talks that even us as readers sometimes find it hard to comprehend. Yes. So this is a chance to get a glimpse into what might have been, mm-hmm. I think. And I'm, I really like what Chris once told me that this uh, part is akin to a bottle episode of a TV series where mm-hmm. uh, the plot line doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily related to the entire arc of the book. Yeah. But it gives you an insight into yeah the, the fantasy of what could have been and also uh, it gives you uh, another angle at the relationship between Elio and Oliver and how they uh, respond to one another in a different milieu or a different yeah. environment. It's like, it's like you're sitting at a dinner table with your friends. So in the previous chapters you're looking at Elio um, expressing his love for Oliver Mm -hmm. and this time you get closer to them because you have access through these strangers around them so you feel like you're one of them right and then you're stealing glances at this weird couple Mm -hmm. who's out there and you get to see not not a lot of big moments happen in this chapter but you get to see micro moments where you know the the guy asks his boyfriend to play the piano because he's such a good piano player or the boyfriend wants to go outside and have a take a breather or something so he accompanies the guy and it's just very warm to see and it's nice basically yeah yeah so despite some probably unsavory parts of the part of this part uh there are also a lot of warm uh endearing moments that Mm -hmm. I think make this a very memorable yeah. uh, part of the book. Yeah. yeah. Also worth noting, when you think about it, the whole book is basically the memory of an adult Elio who looks back uh, at that one summer in Italy and in an Italian countryside uh, where he encountered his first love mm-hmm. in Oliver and I think it's interesting to note uh, the comparison between Call Me By Your Name and uh, the novel by the French author Marcel Proust of which Andrew Aziman is an expert in yeah. I believe uh, so I haven't read the book but uh, probably some of you have heard of Proust uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right a la recherche du temps perdu, or in English it's called uh, In Search of Lost Time, Our Remembrance of Things Past, in which uh, the character in that book uh, recounts 
um, his life and his uh, love. Uh, he looks back on his life uh, and the lovers that he has uh, during a period of time. And I think it's interesting to note how uh, Elio, how the older Elio is basically doing the same thing in this mm -hmm. book. And he narrates the book uh, from his mem memory, basically. So I think it's worth uh, questioning whether Elio is a reliable narrator or not, because he remembers this whole thing uh, from 20 years later. Uh, so I guess there's a chance that Elio might embellish it somehow. Well, what do you think, to, Chris? <laughs> sorry to rain on everyone's parade, I guess. Thanks, Nico. <laughs> no. but, but, but that's just a theory that, oh, maybe after 20 years uh, that there's a chance that Elio might embellish some of the things yeah. that he remembers uh, in, the, in his narration. Even me at, what, 27 years mm -hmm. of life now? If I were to write about something that happened to me 10 years ago, right? granted, nothing as... I, I didn't experience anything as powerful as this 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago, but... I don't know if the details would be that vivid, mm -hmm, but obviously mm -hmm. there would there would be very memorable scenes. Some scenes would stand out, and some conversations. It's possible that some conversations did stick in his mind. Right. And it's also worth noting that Elio kept a diary, right? Oh, right. So I think those things in this case I just may have helped, that. right? Right, right, right. Although I don't know how detailed. We don't really know mm -hmm, how. Mm -hmm far into the details of his day-to-day -day life he went in right. these diaries but yeah but maybe aside from the diary mm -hmm. i guess it just goes to show like the the vividness of his narration yeah. is also because the love that he had with oliver is just so intense and it's just so everlasting yeah. even though they're no longer together at the end of the book that it's still there, that he still remembers everything. Yeah. And as Oliver yes. himself This is my favorite part says, about this whole theory. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my theory. So, uh, you know, in, at the end of the book itself, uh, Oliver says that I remember everything to Elio. So it means that uh, not only it's not only Elio who uh, treasures his memory of that one summer, that period of six weeks yeah. in the 80s, but apparently Oliver also feels the same thing, yeah. and he also still has that memory in his mind. Yeah, and it may or may not allude to. I remember as much as many details as you do mm -hmm. as well. It sort of validates yeah, the whole book. Exactly, right? and it's also related to. The title itself, I guess, Call Me By Your Name, in the sense that uh, they they are like one, they, they, they are like this one entity. Yeah. Uh, I have a joke about the Holy summer. Trinity in this <laughs> that I mentioned off, um, off the record, but I'm probably not going to repeat yeah, it here. <laughs> I think it's better to keep it to ourselves, yeah. the Holy Trinity joke. <laughs> So we've talked about our favorite parts of the book, our least favorite parts of the book. 
our favorite scenes. Our favorite scenes. And We've defended part three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like we can't talk about the book without acknowledging the existence of a very, very beautiful and captivating <laughs> audiobook of Call Me By Your Name out there. Narrated by the one and only Armand Armand Hammer. Yeah, that's his long name. It's so weird. <laughs> But yeah, it was released in October on October third, so not even a month. Mm-hmm. But how many times have you listened to it? <laughs> I've listened uh, to it once, but repeated some parts and re- yeah, re-recorded yeah. some parts of it for my personal pleasure. I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it about the book? Oh, what is it about the audiobook do you think that's significant? What well, does it have to offer? I think it serves as some sort of a. Uh, a preview of the film in a sense mm-hmm. that it's it, it bridges the book and the film because you know that there's gonna be obviously there's gonna be army in the film and then and that you will watch his performances Oliver but then with this audiobook you can get a glimpse of what the film will feel like through the narration of army yeah. Of the book, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that that makes sense because when mean. Army reads the conversations, mm-hmm. obviously we haven't seen the film, but when he reads the conversations between Elio and Oliver, it feels like you're getting a preview of how these conversations will play out in the film, which I love. <laughs> and then I realize there isn't enough interaction between Oliver and Elio because those are my favorite parts of the of the audio book. Right, right. Obviously, aside from Army Hammer. Mm-hmm. doing accents right <laughs> and actually uh, I like to point out that it's interesting that it is army who gets who got chosen to uh, narrate the audiobook instead of uh, Timothy Chalamet mm. who plays Oliver instead yeah. I, I mean who plays, who plays Elio. Elio instead uh, because well the book is uh, written from the point of view of Elio right yeah but it's pretty curious why they chose ARMY to read the book. I feel like is it it could be because also maybe ARMY is older Mm -hmm. and this is written the book is written from the point of view of an older Elio so maybe they needed a more mature Mm -hmm. voice Mm -hmm. to it. Okay. But also what you said about uh, about them being sort of one one. <laughs> one entity <laughs> it's maybe this is an example of that maybe they're trying to allude to that yeah I don't know and it sounds like Oliver this is we get a peek at Oliver getting into Elio's shoes yes uh, and Oliver uh, Oliver being embodying Elio. Elio's feelings yeah. and Elio's memory mm-hmm. of you know their Uh, romantic experiences. Army pointed this out in one of the interviews also, I think. He's like, it is so weird to... I mean, Ah, it's interesting, not weird. It's interesting to finally read this because... To read this out loud because I've been playing Oliver all this time Uh and then now I have to go into Elio's shoes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's such a a joyful read. I think it's definitely definitely worth a reread. In the sense that 
the if you have read the book and if you would like but if you would like to refresh your memory of the mm-hmm. scenes and of the chapters then the audiobook is definitely the way to go yeah the way i did it was i listened while i reread the book at mm-hmm. the same time so that was quite an experience for right, me right. especially to actually feel how the words come to life Ooh. through army's voice very interesting words too yeah <laughs> <laughs> Let's maybe touch on that a little bit. On what's your favorite words in the audiobook that Army read? Actually, the f- when I knew that Army was going to read the audiobook, the first word or the first part that I was most looking forward to was the word. I, I don't know if I can say it here, but maybe I can. You can. <laughs> it's the word apricot. Yeah. <laughs> That uh, that was when Elio was infatuated by Oliver, and somehow they talk about the origins of the word apricot. Yes. And Elio just keeps thinking apricot yeah. all the time. And Army Hammer s- s- said that word in the audiobook. Repeatedly. <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> Also worth pointing out that in that particular scene, Army Hammer was mansplaining the the etymology right. of the word apricot, but I thoroughly enjoyed that. So next word on the list is is buttocks. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've never had to say that word out loud right. ever. I don't think I've said it until I just until just a few mm-hmm. seconds ago, <laughs> and. I probably didn't even know how to pronounce that word until Army Hammer read it to me, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Yeah, good to know." And I guess also the, mem- the memorable part is their first night together, mm. and not long afterward, there's a scene where Elio says to Oliver, "F me, Elio," basically <laughs> alluding to yeah. the whole "Call Me by Your Name" yeah. game they're playing. Yeah. And Army Hammer said that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so just picture that. Picture that. <laughs> Army Hammer is saying, F me, Elio, yeah. basically. <laughs> and my favorite parts are also parts that actually in the book seem very minor and you would probably rush through. Mm-hmm. But then in the audiobook, it came alive so well, which are the Italian accents. Right. That it's a conversation that. Between Ankize and Mafalda's husband, that they had in this supposedly mm-hmm. um, Italian accent English, which Army read and was just magnificent. Yeah, he's just I so. Think. He's he, just so he, good. He reads it in a very <laughs> animated way. Yeah, and yeah, he's just so good at mimicking accents. Yeah, he, he's it's a talent, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I guess Chris mentioned this to me that. You love the... Yeah, this is a kind of minor compared to all the things that mm-hmm. we've mentioned, and it's a little bit more subtle, but that scene when they're sitting on the rock, and Oliver asks Elio... Oh, Elio asks Oliver what he's thinking about, and Oliver says, I'm thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And then Elio pretends like he's surprised and says, me? And then Oliver mimics him saying me in a way that he was mocking Elio. I found that really sweet. I don't know. I recorded that part. Mm -hmm. And And yeah, yeah. of course, the 
the the other uh, favorite part of the audiobook is the final line itself, which is which alludes to the title of the book mm-hmm. and is heartbreaking. Probably you're already sobbing your way through the book at that point. It's very reverent and mm-hmm. very painful. Yeah. But so yeah, I guess the point is you should read the audiobook. Read no, the, listen, listen to, to the, the audiobook, audiobook while rereading. While rereading, call me by your name. Call me by your name. While also waiting for the film to come out. So the audiobook is already available on audible.com. Yeah. Uh, you can get actually get a free one month trial, right? There. Yeah, I spent my one month trial on that book. Okay, and you can also get it on places like iBooks, Amazon, Amazon, and other. Places. So listen to the audiobook. So that's our episode. I feel like we had a lot to talk about and we basically unloaded a lot our, about thoughts. our thoughts and our yeah. feelings. I but uh, we hope you uh, enjoy our conversation this time and we're also looking forward to knowing uh, what you think about the Call Me By Your Name book itself yes. uh, so we really would like you to uh, go to our Twitter at Scene62 and join our uh, ongoing poll. poll about which part of Call Me By Your Name part is your favorite and also please let us know uh, your comment about favorite part uh, by replying our tweet and if you have other suggestions on things that we should cover or talk about or you have any response to our episode or if you would like to share us your personal theories about call me by your name feel free to reach out to us on twitter and on our email also Mm -hmm. um, scene62 at gmail.com right and actually, we forgot to do this last week, kind of stupidly. But anyway, thank you for listening. And as Oliver would say, later! later.